Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to episode number 45 of the Romans Empire podcast, a celebration of actually winning something. And before we start, just let me go ahead and sing Champions, Champions, Ole, Ole, Ole. That is right. We won the fucking FA Cup and that salty, miserable Mourinho could suck it. Ugh, just a roller coaster of a season, Psalm, and we ended it with a cup. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I can't think of something more Chelsea than that. Uh, I think uh, something more Chelsea than that would be having a great season and then losing it in the cup. Ooh, like last Lose, year. Yeah, exactly. That, that's oh, wow. that's just as Chelsea. Um, oh, that's a good yeah. Show. We, we the thing about Chelsea is that we don't even have a set identity because we're completely different every year. There is no such thing as the most Chelsea thing ever. <laughs> yeah, the, the I mean, most Chelsea thing ever has to happen within like a, th- a three-year time frame where we, we we hire a manager, we win the league, we do well, we lose, and then we fire the manager. That's the most Chelsea thing ever, and that's yeah. probably what's going to happen this season too. So, I mean, I think it, I I think it's a given, but but we'll get onto that a little bit later. Um, so. I mean, let's just dive right into this match, right? Because there, th- we have a lot to talk about this week. So, 1-0 Chelsea, FA Cup final, Eden Hazard, uh, a very well-taken penalty. And, uh, you know, we walked away with a win, which is always nice. And the thing is, I've, I've been talking about this for weeks, saying how this this winning this cup would be would pretty much like make this season right and it would make me feel happy like we didn't leave empty-handed but uh, this game was so boring uh, and like <laughs> such a such a it's an it was such a strange match you know the only goal scored in the whole entire match was off a penalty off of a stupid Phil Jones tackle um but we uh, like after the game ended I've never felt like less enthusiasm for myself, like from like winning a title, winning winning a cup. I I I, I literally felt like no emotion. I was like, oh, we won. Like I, I was hoping like this this was building up for so long. I thought I was gonna go crazy and like go excited, but just the way the match went, I was like, oh, we won, cool. And like I just didn't feel anything. It was it, it, it I was really upset. I know I know how you feel. Because the second Hazard put that penalty in and we went up 1-0, I thought to myself, oh, this is the perfect time for us to concede two or three. <laughs> I just – I had a feeling perfect that Man U was just going to come back with this late flurry the second they bring in Lukaku. I mean think about it. Former Chelsea player coming in, yeah, netting a game winner against his former club oh, yeah. for the manager that basically – kicked him out of the club i mean and didn't didn't juan mata also get subbed in late yeah yeah juan, yeah juan, juan mata made an one appearance day, which one is, day when they brought him in i was like oh no this is this is this him and maybe an assist to lukaku or both of them scoring i think that that would have just crushed my heart i think i think the thing that's more dangerous than one former chelsea player on the pitch is two and even more than two is three i mean yeah. we had Nemanja matic there too oh, who, yeah, who we yeah. seem to forget about um, because yeah, and he he's known to score very nice goals in the FA Cup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wembley's a stomping ground for him. But uh, I mean, I I want to talk about Victor Moses for a second. Um, I I thought he had another poor match. I mean, 
I don't want to get all negative and down on our performance, but I thought in particular both of our wingbacks seemed mm. to struggle at times, and Victor Moses just basically got the runaround from Ashley Young. Yeah. That's um, all you that's all you gotta well, say about I thought, it. Huh? I thought no, I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna finish off with something else, sorry. Um but I mean I think what you said is pretty much how I feel uh, with Victor Moses this whole season. I mean, Ashley Young is so talented, um, and I think that tasking him to, um, you know, tasking Victor Moses to to try to man him is really just a, a not a good game plan because, um, you know, this is a big game, and Victor Moses has time and time again not shown up for big games against big teams. And I, I really don't know why. I mean, why, why do you think that is, that he tends to struggle a lot in these big games? I don't, you know, it's it's weird. And, and I just get the sense that he's a, a flat track bully, right? Um, a lot of the same criticisms that people drew about Romelu Lukaku, I mean, you could pretty much draw about Victor Moses this year. Um, he usually plays well against opposition that's poor, right? Mm -hmm. uh, bottom half of the table teams, mid-table teams. But this season in big games, I mean, he's shown time and time again that, that he's just not up for it. And I mean, I feel like the only big match where I thought he played well was against Barcelona. Um, but he wasn't responsible for pushing forward as much in that game, and he was sitting back mostly in a back five. Mm -hmm. um, so he always had that security blanket um of Aspilicueta right behind him but I mean it's weird because last year we saw him play well against all the big teams that we played or at least most of them uh, in particular against Spurs he netted the game winner at the bridge um United uh City and uh and even Liverpool last year and I I just think the main thing with Moses and any right wing back for example is that when things don't go their way they usually find other ways to impact the game and last year when Victor Moses would struggle defensively, he'd offset it by his offensive production and by pushing up the field and taking on defenders one-on-one -on -one and putting dangerous balls into the box and scoring the occasional goal. And this year he just – he really hasn't shown that same attacking intent and he can't sit back and defend and, and, and build momentum in his game by defending. So I just think that he looks like a man who's out of ideas. And last year, I mean, obviously he was used as a, as a stopgap, um, a right winger transformed into right wing back, um, and nobody really noticed it. And, and I think this year we're starting to see that, you know, this isn't his natural position. And, and at times, um, playing right wing back um, is a little overwhelming when you take into consideration his skill set and what he has to offer. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but um, just since we're talking about Victor Moses, I wanted to just bring this up. Um, you know, since since there's been talks about um, bringing in Sari from uh, from Napoli, he he plays four back on defense, um, and obviously with no wing back, uh, I I don't see Victor Moses being able to man a right back position, mm -hmm. and you know, in, in a four back, you know, in a uh, four back kind of uh, defensive setup, but and I think that this is will be the last time that we see Victor Moses playing that kind of role. Um, yeah, and I think that if we can, if we can somehow convert him to uh, to like a winger kind of player, like uh, you know, like 
I mean, I don't, I, I really, I think Cuyahon is far better than him, but the way, the, I think the way that he played uh, for Napoli is a role that Victor Moses might, might be able to do, I think next season um, with, with our, you know, the type of offense that Sari brings in. But well, I think that we could talk a little bit more about that uh, in, in later into the episode. I kind of want, I, I want to talk a little bit about Bakayoko um, mm-hmm. in this, in this match, because he had another solid, really solid performance. Uh, he was able to retain possession, you know, pretty well with comparatively to, um, you know, the way he does per usual. But he did he he did retain possession pretty well. Um, but you know, he was I think the, the the biggest thing was that he was covering so much ground defensively, and he looked he looked very cohesive playing alongside uh, N'Golo Conte, which is something that we were hoping. Uh, that he would provide, you know, after losing Matic, a guy who slotted so well alongside Conte, and losing him, trying to replace him with a guy like Bakayoko, um, he he was able to, you know, he was able to cover so much ground, and you know, this his cover allowed Cesc to roam forward and to create, which is another issue that we talked about. Um, Cesc not not being able to do that because of our lack of a defensive midfield. Um, we haven't had we really haven't had balance in our midfield for a while now. Um, and I think that this, this game kind of showed that he, you know, he was able to pick off a lot of passes uh, from the midfield, set up uh, two chances for Eden Hazard on a counterattack, one that mm-hmm. ended up leading to the penalty, uh, to the penalty. Um, I, I, I didn't before the past couple of weeks, I really didn't see Bakayoko really playing a major role going to next year. But I think that my opinion on him is, has changed just strictly based on the past couple of weeks. How, how do you feel about him playing a major role in going into next year? Um, You know, it's, I've been saying it all season long. I, I, I don't think we were going to see the best of Bakioko this year. Um, and, and, and there is a grace period, especially when you're coming from a league that's not as physically demanding, um, as a Premier League, um, so I mean, here's the thing with Bakioko, he's just a beast, um, and the the way he held off opposition in this game and broke up play in the midfield and his his movement and his energy was just fundamental for us. And like you said, um, it, it allowed Cesc Fabregas to roam forward, and I'm one of those people that would like to see Fabregas still on our roster next season. I still think he has something to offer. And I think he proved it um, in the in the first uh, 45 to 60 minutes or so of this game, um, you know, because he had a security blanket behind him and it wasn't just N'Golo Conte playing that destroyer role. Um, I think I think one of the most important things that people overlook about Bakioko in general is how much he helps out N'Golo Conte defensively. And I mean, I know the man could run forever, but. Conte just looked reinvigorated in that midfield, knowing that he had someone next to him that could drop off and create cover. And I noticed that he was actually pressing higher up the pitch than he normally does, and it paid off. Um, and it and, and it and it paid off for us as a result. And you know, there were times, and I noticed this, where we would almost switch from Conte and Bakayoko playing a double pivot to Conte and Bakayoko playing in front of Sesk. And I kind of liked that because. It allows Sesk to to play wherever he wants, basically. And, and we talked about that Pirlo role and how Conte 
um, used to have that used to have Andrea Pirlo and Vidal and 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 Pogba in front of him just kind of doing all the destroying but it just gives us another option to uh it gives us another option to use Sesk um and I, and I still think he's incredibly valuable so I think us getting the best out of Bakayoko is going to be crucial next year um I think whatever manager is in charge is definitely going to give him a shot because after this performance, and then you look at the the Liverpool performance um, a couple weeks ago, you know we're slowly starting to see flashes of how impactful Bakayoko could be for Chelsea. And you know the the really encouraging thing is that he's doing it in big games as well. I mean, you look at you look at uh you look at him earlier this season. His first appearance for us ever was was at Wembley against Spurs, and he played the full ninety. Um, coming off a major knee injury, he played well against Atletico. Um, in Madrid, actually, in Madrid in particular, um, he played well against Liverpool, like I said, and now in the cup final against United. I mean, those mm-hmm. are all big, big matches, and big players play in big matches. That's that's it's as simple as that. Um, you know, you're talking about a cup final. This isn't a this isn't a Wednesday night at Stoke. You know, um, big players step up in big games, and that's exactly what Bakayoko did, and and you can't argue against that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he could offer next year. I think it's much of the same. I think he's going to be that security blanket. I think he'll allow us to rotate the squad a little bit more. And if it is sorry that is coming in, which is what it's looking like at the moment, um, a three-man midfield with Bakayoko and Conte just kind of playing that destroyer role, um, it looks like a, it looks like something that we can look forward to in the future. Yeah, and you know it was really nice to see it in one of the new signings uh, perform well in this kind of match. But he wasn't the only new signing to play well this match. Rudiger, Tony, uh, Tony. He, he I, I think he, he was the man of the match. Um, I think that most people would agree with that. Uh, both both during the game and after the game, he was the man of the match uh, for his post uh, post game shenanigans. Uh, reading off the the his stats: three tackles, eight clearances. Uh, 86% pass accuracy and 100% ta- tackle success. Uh, clearly he was excited. He was motivated to win his first major trophy. Um, he showed up big time. Um, and he's slowly becoming a fan favorite, uh, among Chelsea fans. Uh, he, he was especially i mean there's just so many pictures that came out after the match uh with them celebrating with the with the trophy with him making hilarious faces with him dancing in the locker room oh yeah oh man I, yeah he seems like a guy who everyone on the team would just love um and i i, I also the fans just end up loving him i i know i do um i i i i'm i think next episode we should really uh go into all of our new signings and kind of rank their seasons. But without really thinking about it too much, I think Rudiger was the best signing of the season. I mean, thinking about everyone who else, um, I have to put a little bit more thought into it, but what do you think? Do you think, do you think that is probably accurate? Yeah, I, I think it's spot on. You know, if you're looking at the signings we made this season, I, I see guys like Zappacosta, who wasn't really an upgrade on Victor Moses. Murata, who wasn't an upgrade on Diego Costa. Barkley, we haven't really seen much yet. Bakioko, not an immediate upgrade on Matic, um, at least not yet. The jury's still out. Drinkwater didn't really uh, 
didn't really perform well when he played. I don't know if he's struggling with injury or if it's a fallout with the coach, but he wasn't really an upgrade on Chalaba. So, I mean, any, you get the point. And I look at Rudiger, and he's the only new signing that we brought in this season that improved our starting 11 drastically. And it's not a knock on Gary Cahill because everybody knows that listens to this podcast that I love Gary Cahill. Um, but Rudiger just brings this sort of athletic technical physicality to the game and you know he as a center back he pretty much has all the attributes that you want he's strong he's big he's insanely athletic he can nick an odd goal every now and then and he's super technical and good with his feet you know i remember in particular this summer when i saw that we signed rudiger and I'm not going to lie, I was kind of disappointed because I saw people like um, Koulibaly and Benucci being linked with us all summer and for yeah, they, big money moves. And then we kind of settled for the $30 million Antonio Rudiger. And I knew he was a good player and I knew he had something to offer. I just didn't know that he was going to be – I mean dare I say it, our best defender in recent weeks. I mean we saw Azpilicueta struggle towards the end of this season. I think he looked a little fatigued. But I think Rudiger was definitely the one player that finished out this season incredibly strong. And something I like about him is just the fact that he's so passionate and the fact that his desire is always there. He never puts in a half-assed performance. You know, even if he doesn't play his best game, he's giving it his all. And I think that's why the fans have really warmed up to him. Um, but, you know, from the outside look again, and especially looking at the future, if you're looking at Chelsea's backline, um, it's pretty intimidating because we have arguably two of the best defenders in the Premier League in Dave and Rudiger now. Yeah. And now when you look at guys like uh, uh, Andreas Christensen, who's a young up-and-comer who um, people have high hopes for, including me. I mean, we've mm -hmm. talked about it on this podcast, what, what, what his potential could be. And I mean, you even throw names like Ethan Ampadu in there and – the, the the season Kurt Zuma had at Stoke, even though they got relegated, and you look at our back line and you look at our options going into the future, and it, I'm really optimistic about our, def our about our defense. Did and you I see? Like I'm sorry to cut you off. Did you see that picture that David Luiz posted after the game with Ampadu in the locker room? I did. I did. That was beautiful, man. I think that I remember the first time seeing Ampadu play. I was like, oh, nice, David Luiz got to come in. <laughs> Yeah, That's no, it's, <laughs> it's it's uh it's exciting because you know we talk about all the negatives this season, but if if you take a second and you know look at the positives and and what we gained, I mean, a, Rudiger does not look anything near a thirty million pound player. I mean, if you ask me, um, if we were to put him on the market tomorrow, he's the type of player Man City goes out and spends sixty seventy million on. I mean, he looks that good, and it's 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 not crazy to say. And yeah, maybe I have my blue tinted glasses on, but I mean, the numbers and the stats don't lie. And if you watch his performances, I mean, he's brilliant. It, it, it's that simple, and I'm really glad to have him. So, um, you know, besides having great dance moves and and putting uh, Eden Hazard on the spot after the match, I mean, I'm I'm just thrilled to have him, and and I'm thrilled for him. I love that. He he's the best dancer on the squad for sure, right? Um, ooh, that's a tough one because uh, David Louise is David Louise is is somewhat decent. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. I think we'd have to. 
I, I'd be interested to look up a bunch of videos of dancing and make a hey, make a uh, little mon- what's it called montage not montage but yeah montage <laughs> yeah a compilation compilation thank you I don't know, that, that was on the tip of my tongue uh no i think the last thing i kind of want to talk about this match uh antonio conte and his subbing because uh we, we've talked about his first of all his initial team selection um I think his plan A was absolutely spot on, um, but he did not have a plan B. I mean, I, I hate to be repeating myself, but I mean, this is just something that happens every match that I have to talk about it. Um, but he just leaves Cesc Fabregas on there for way too long towards the end. And uh, while he's, you know, he's gassed out, he's an older man. He's, he's played a lot of minutes this season. And uh, we end up looking vulnerable at times because of it. Um I don't know. I mean, this is this by design? Did he want to keep Seth there to play the long ball and maybe kill the game off with another goal? I mean, what 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 do you think? What do you think's going through his mind? We only made two fucking subs all game and yeah. It drove me crazy because I understand if, you know, we make two subs just because, you know, it, it, it'll help our shape and maybe bringing on a third sub doesn't seem the smartest move because one player's playing really well or whatnot, but the second you get into injury time, I mean, you got to make that third sub. You got to kill some of the clock. You got to kill the game off. Yeah, and you know without a doubt that Mourinho, Mourinho would have done that if if he was in the same oh, opportunity. Oh, yeah, us. yeah. That's Knowing a, Mourinho, he would have called whatever center back is on the bench <laughs> and replaced him with this striker. I mean, that, yeah. but, but that's the thing that Antonio Conte is missing in his game, and it just seems like – I mean, we talk about it every week. It just seems like he's not into it. It, it. It's it's almost like he's begging. He's begging to be sacked. But the thing is, you also got the sense in this game that he actually wanted to win it, which makes sense. I mean, it's a major trophy. Who wouldn't want to win the FA Cup? But good God. I mean, it was I, – I don't remember screaming at a Chelsea manager through my television set all the way in L.A. <laughs> like that since – Maybe Villas Boas. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I gotta a, think like company, I gotta man. think at least four or five years back. I mean, this is it's just crazy to me that you know it, his initial plan worked so perfectly, but he cannot see the most obvious deficiencies in the squad at the moment. And I mean, you had you, you had a Ross Barkley on the bench. If you still wanted to hit them on the counter, you could bring on Ross Barkley, who's better defensively. And who's mobile enough but he's to get up and not down match the pitch. Fit. I mean, I know that he's probably going to be playing for a couple minutes, but we haven't seen him play in months. No, it feels no. Like. Yeah, but but he looked he looked decent against Newcastle. I mean, he he had his little spurts. So I don't understand why not bring Ross Barkley off the bench. Say, hey, go out there, give me twenty minutes, run your ass off, win win us the cup. I mean, this is what a manager is paid to do. He is paid to find solutions to our problems. And, you know, even if he wasn't going to bring Ross Barkley on, maybe hook, maybe hook Fabregas and bring on, you know, a a, a William and a Pedro and go back to a 3-4-3 where William and Pedro just kind of sit and and almost play as like a double attacking midfielder type role where, you know, we just clog the middle of the pitch. There was none of that in this game. And, you know, I mentioned Fabregas earlier because the first 45 to 60 minutes he played brilliantly and, and he was finding passes and he was picking out spaces and whatnot. But I mean, towards the end of the game, it just kind of looked like 
you know when a you know when a car that has a hubcap on and and, and the hubcap's about to fall off and he's like driving on the freeway and it's just kind of <laughs> like wobbling. I mean that's that's what Cesc Fabregas looked like at the end of the game. And I was just kind of waiting for that whole tire to just kind of fly off. And for us to fuck up and concede some stupid goal off of Alonzo's ass cheek or something like that. You know, it's just it's it's baffling to me and it's really frustrating. And we talk about Conte every week, but I mean after after this game and now his comments after in, in the press room, which we're gonna talk about later, it's just there's no way he stays. I mean, I'll be I'll be shocked. Yeah. I'll be absolutely shocked. I just want to correct something I said. I I, for, I totally forgot Barkley played against Newcastle the two weeks ago, but it, hey, just, it was just it was a very very forgettable game, a very I, forgettable performance. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I yeah yeah I'm pretty sure every Chelsea fan has erased that game. Yeah, from I try to block that. You know, just that solidifying us getting fifth place in the league. It was it was not a good day, but um, to be honest, yeah yeah. I mean, I mean, to be honest, I didn't even watch the second half of that game. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really I worth didn't. it. I, no. I, you know, I, I have been saying for weeks that this winning this cup will make up for the season. And I think Gary Cahill, Gary Cahill came out and spoke uh, after the match about how w- winning the cup did make up for the season. What do, What do you think, Zach? Does this Does this make up for it? In my opinion, I think it does make up for it. Um, I think that walking away with some silverware i think that a great thing to just lean on is if uh let's say this weekend liverpool ends up losing uh in the champions league we could say oh wow liverpool um we even got more silverware than you i mean you weren't even that good of a team like come on (laughs) that's something we can say (laughs) you know and we beat them and we and drew them yeah i think that's we can we can still have something to talk about to to you know a bunch of different fans just can't say anything to man city fans really no i i i thought gary cahill was right in a sense i mean yeah it it, it is always nice winning the fa cup and i think the just the fact that it was against jose Mourinho and manchester united made it all that much sweeter mm-hmm. um and if you came up to me and i brought this up a few weeks ago i mean if you came up to me Let's say three, two years ago, right when Conte got appointed and said in the two years Antonio Conte is here, he's going to win you the league and he's also going to win you an FA Cup. But in the FA Cup season, you'll be placed in fifth. Would you take it or leave it? And I would take it. Yeah, probably. I would I would take the trophies every single time. I mean, I, I felt very similar to you. Like I wasn't that excited to win. Like I didn't celebrate when Hazard scored the PK – it didn't really hit me until I woke up the next morning and saw everyone's Instagram posts mm-hmm. and, you know, Chelsea's Instagram story and just reading all these different articles about how brilliant we played and whatnot. It didn't hit me till the next day. And I feel like finishing in fifth did take the sting out of winning this FA Cup. Yeah, it was sweet, but I really like playing in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. We played in Champions League this year, but yeah, well, 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 dude, we we won Europa League was like four four or five years ago, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, Brana. We got it. We got this. Um, it's gonna be great Thursday nights. Let's do it. Make sure your schedule's open. Yeah, uh, I can't. I can't <laughs> wait to Thursday night in Azerbaijan. It's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, it's this, gonna be great. Th- I 
I think as far as just having some ammunition to talk shit against other fan uh teams of other fans of other teams, uh the only I think the only fan base you can't really say anything to is uh Man City. Yeah. And uh and unless Liverpool wins Champions League this this weekend, which is possible. Th- then they get all bragging rights. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I, we we definitely took we I just I remember the season when we won, did not wait a second to talk shit to everyone, yeah. um, and I do not expect anything better from Liverpool fans. Uh, so let, let's go into some random news. Um, Courtois had some interesting comments post match. Uh, he said, "I'll speak with Chelsea now. I have one year left on my contract. I'll speak with Chelsea now. Maybe after the World Cup." I think that this season we are surrounded by rumors and it's not easy to defend the title when you're being criticized all the time. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's funny when, when, when you're saying we're surrounded by rumors when most of the rumors are stemmed from Coming things that you say. Coming straight out of your fucking... Yeah it's, it's not, yeah, it's not like rumors based off of sources say. It's, it's, it's based off of speculation, based off of stuff that you have said, but... Uh, I know, I know, I know how much Belgium. you love him. I know how much you love him. Uh, but uh, I, I would. I mean, I, I still have been on the side. I mean, of course, it's, it, it's, it's tough to like look at a guy like that who's been talking trash about us the whole season and say that we want to keep you. But in reality, it's for the best, probably the best interest in the club. It's not going to be easy to replace a guy like that. Um, but I mean, he finally put in a. A performance worthy of praise. Yeah, I mean, it. it, it you could, I mean, you he made could, a really nice save on Rashford. Yeah, you could say honestly, y- you uh. probably could say that Courtois is the most overrated goalkeeper in the world. Uh, yeah, honestly, you could yeah, probably get, say I that. I mean, as far I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying that as far as the amount of praise and the, uh, I think the the, the rankings that people put him in, uh, he does not necessarily always uh uh perform to that standard week in and week out like all the other you know names that he's put into the same category as um but i still think that it'll be incredibly difficult to replace a guy like that i mean what do you think you think he's going to extend if if he doesn't extend do you think the club should let his contract run out what I think I think there's no way in hell he extends his contract but i do think that he'd be happy to see it out just because he is getting paid pretty well at Chelsea, and if we're not willing to move, and if we're not willing to ship him off, I think he'll be happy to kind of stay, you know, one more year and then go basically wherever he wants. But from a Chelsea perspective, I think that's the stupidest thing you could possibly do because you could turn around right now and probably flip Courtois for fifty million plus. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why wouldn't you do that? I mean, I know you said it's hard to replace. A goalkeeper of his quality but i mean i i i I mentioned it every week and i look around and i see guys like jack butland i see guys like jan oblak allison on roma um these are all quality goalkeepers that are on the market that are looking for big moves to bigger clubs and you know i think that in a in a day and age where finding a quality goalkeeper is difficult i think that this is an interesting summer because there's a lot of goalkeeper movement going around so if we're going to move Courtois, I think this is definitely the summer to do it. If if not, I think it's a tremendous failure um, on the club's part. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't see a negative in, in selling him. 
I mean, if you could sell him for 70, 80 million, you could you could put that money into Jan Oblak and and possibly still keep some pocket change. Maybe maybe even have enough change to pay off Antonio Conte. <laughs> I mean, I think that if Just if, a you, <laughs> if you look around at the the top teams you know the top teams in the in the in the world right now you could really say that you at this point in time you don't really need an elite goalkeeper to be a great team i mean if you look at i mean man city emerson had a great season but i i don't think that you'd put him into the Ooh, lead category i think that's debatable i, I mean i yeah I, I think he he did prove himself this season i mean liverpool whoever ends up playing that day whether between migs or you know, uh, Karius or whoever plays, um, they, they had a, you know, not, obviously that's not a strong, uh, duo for goalkeepers. Um, and I mean, uh, for Real Madrid, um, what's his name? Uh, what's his name? I'm fine. I forget his name. I'm, I'm a, I wish, I wish we were together right now, Sam, so I could slap you across the face. Why? Because <sighs> Emerson, or or Ederson, excuse Ederson, me. Ederson, yeah. I think he's done more than enough to prove himself. And Kaylor Navas, I mean, if we want to talk right, about yeah, Courtois being the most overrated goalkeeper, Kaylor Navas is the complete opposite. I think that guy is a godsend. Yeah, he might not be as top, good as De Gea. Yeah, he's not a top five goalie though. I'm not saying. I'm I mean, s- it's it's hard it's hard to argue against that because I mean, you're, you look at a Real Madrid team that doesn't play a lot of defense. And you look at the saves he made, especially against Bayern Munich. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in terms of just being a flat-out shot stopper, yeah, maybe he's not the finished article. He's not too good with the ball at his feet and whatnot. But, I mean, he's so commanding on crosses, and he's a, he's a physical goalkeeper, and he's a brilliant shot stopper. I don't know. I just think it's easy to replace a guy like Courtois now. Um, not Excuse me, not easy. But I think it's it's it makes the most sense to do it now, considering – the other goalkeepers that are on the market because I can't recall a summer where three of the top seven or eight goalkeepers in the world are looking for major major moves. Yeah, I, and I, mean, I I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think I don't think that an amazing goalkeeper will break or make your your squad. You could you could do with a a decent goalkeeper. I mean, just look at Victor Valdez, what he did for so long at Barcelona. Um, he was definitely not a top ten goalkeeper in the world, um, but yeah, he, but their possession football was yeah. in defense. Hey, hey, if next year if we bring in uh, sorry, I mean that that's what he's known yep. for. He's known for possession. Football. Sorry ball, sorry ball. Yeah, yeah. just a lot of pace and a lot of I mean, a lot of verticality, a lot of possession. Um, but but we still technically have another manager in the house, Antonio Conte. Um, he he talked after the match as well. Um, he says, my position does not change. I didn't want to listen to any other proposal as my decision is to respect my contract at and continue my work. In two years, we won the league and the FA Cup. I think that I proved in England too that I am a winner, a serial winner. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's, such a, it's such a hard thing to, it's, it's hard for him to say that when we really did not win that much this year. Um, and we've just had so many, so many games, including this past one, that we could visually see with our own eyes his uh, his just his his demeanor be so bad, 
and also his tactical decisions not not exactly the best um what do you make of these comments i mean i i, I at first i didn't really know what to think of it and my first impression was oh wow maybe he is fighting for his job but then i but then i slept on it and uh I think he's basically interviewing for his next job. <laughs> I mean, he, he continued in the interview by saying, I won two tro- two major trophies in two years. I mean, you can't really argue with that. You know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, he's going to go to other clubs and say, Hey, look, in two years at Chelsea, I won the premier league with a team that had no business winning it. And, I took a team, that same exact team on a limited budget, arguably a worse squad the following year with Champions League football and somehow managed to pull off an FA Cup win over Jose Mourinho, who, who is the definition of a serial winner, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think it's his, I, I think he's interviewing for his next job in this interview. And it's, uh, it's pretty disheartening to hear him say things like that. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with him. I, I just, and you look at his his time in Chelsea, just like if you take a step back and look at it, I, I think that he did do such an amazing job at Chelsea. And if you were to just say like, oh, he won the league and FA Cup to someone who doesn't watch soccer and uh, just let him, you know, say, oh, yeah, we're also firing him. They'll say, what the hell's wrong with you guys? What are you talking about? That's 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 a great resume. But I think that what happened at the end of last season, the situation with Antonio Conte, I mean, Diego Costa, and what happened. That was kind of the beginning of it all, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, I think that he might have, that that, that might have not, that might have left a bad taste in the remaining uh, Brazilian players' mouths um, as far as the way that he he treated them. And, um, you know, one in particular that, is you know showed that is perhaps this displeasure with uh, Antonio Conte's William, um, who actually in fact on Instagram he posted a picture of him of the team with the trophy and uh, he put a bunch of trophy emojis on top of Conte, kind of just blocking him out of the picture. Um, clearly, this is there's there, I think that there's bad blood between him. Maybe he's he's saying. I mean, maybe he's just thinking that this he's going to be gone next year. Maybe he wants him gone. I, I, I mean, th- this is and and just to add on top of it, there's these Man United rumors that just like always they keep on popping up. They just we can't get rid of them. Um, what what do you make with this whole this whole thing? Um, I I don't think it's something. I don't think William going to Man United is something that's going to happen this summer. Um, I don't think we'll be stupid enough, especially if we bring in a director of football um, that we sell any of our, you know, big name players um, to Man United again. But I do think that William does realize that this, I mean, he's 29, he's going to be 30 next year. So he, whatever his last contract was, that was his last big contract. So 
maybe I'm being a bit naive and thinking that he won't go to Man United. Watch us sell him to Man United for forty million. Um, but I do think that Willian is going to look at his options this summer, especially if a guy like Sari comes in. Um, you know, he's going to look to make two or three major signings, and I think one of those signings is definitely going to be another attacking player to just kind of take the load off Eden Hazard and to make uh and to make his life a little bit easier. So. I hope he doesn't leave because I absolutely love Willian. He's one of my favorite players, and he has been since we brought him in from Shakhtar. But um, I do think that these these rumors of him, you know, wanting to leave, um, does have a little bit of legitimacy because, I mean, let's say Antonio Conte does stay, which is a possibility. Um, Willian doesn't get anywhere near that side. Yeah, uh, and you you also mentioned. Uh... Sorry, uh, obviously he's he's been the rumor going around to uh, fill in Antonio Conte's chair if he ends up getting sacked. And uh, some other news that kind of solidify uh, this kind of story is that uh, Carlo Ancelotti was hired as a Napoli's coach, uh, their manager. You know he's had such great success in uh, in Italy with his time with uh, with Milan and. I spent some time managing Juventus as well, um, but obviously not too much success being our manager. But um, now the reports are that Sarri is going to be meeting with Chelsea officials tomorrow. Um, and also, I feel that I mean, I've also heard that he's getting offers from uh, Zenit St. Petersburg as well. Um, but I, from what it's been said, uh, he prefers to sign with Chelsea, obviously it's a more prominent uh, gig than the Zenit. And also uh, they, they, he's hopefully, I think that it would probably pay him more as well. But um, I think that he's still, he's, he's still in the process of trying to convince Chelsea that he's the right man. And that's going as far as hiring an English based uh, uh, intermediary person to try to convince them. Um, because I, I don't know how good his, his English is obviously, but, uh, I, I, it's completely different style of football than what we've seen with uh, Antonio Conte. Yes, they're both Italian, but, um, it, the, the defensive minded, uh, kind of buildup of Antonio Conte's style is completely contrasted with, uh, Sarri's offensive and attacking mindset with, uh, I think I'm pretty sure last season uh, they averaged over two goal. Uh, I think over two goals a game, uh, Napoli and Syria, and we're, we're one of the most exciting teams in in all of Italy, if not all of Europe. Um, what? Wh- how do you feel about uh, Sari potentially coming in and uh, becoming our new manager? How do you feel about him? I, I I'm kind of I have a mixed feeling about him. So. I mean, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Sari is, uh, he's definitely a manager that likes his attractive football. And, and Napoli, without a question, was probably the most enjoyable team to watch in England from a from a footballing standpoint. And you you kind of like Napoli too, right? I mean, I, you, you know what? There? Before, in the early stages of the of this season, um, I actually thought that they were going to be the dark horse in a Champions League. I, I, I actually thought, they had the potential to do what Liverpool is doing, um, where they just kind of got really hot and and uh, you know 
rode that one out, but it's obviously that didn't happen, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mixed up about this and I don't know how to feel because on one hand I want attractive football and I know football's progressing and I know that, you know, um, possession based soccer is, is, uh, it seems to be the kind of style that this generation, um, that this generation of footballers are, uh, are most attracted to, but there's a lot of similarities with Antonio Conte. Um, this is a guy that does like to bring in new players. Um, and he's also a guy that doesn't rotate his squads very much. And he doesn't really, um, integrate youth as much as either. And, a club like Chelsea that has 30 something players on loan um, that has at least four or five low knees that deserve a chance at the first team this year. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking I'm talking about the Loftus cheeks, the bat the Mason mounts, the Van Ginkles, the Kurt Zuma's, mm-hmm. the Kennedy's even, I don't see a way how they get into this side because Sorry's going to want to come in. He's probably going to ship off, let's say, three, four players, and he's going to bring in three or four more. Um, what what players is he going to bring in, first of all? If he likes possession football, you, you're going to assume that he's going to bring in a midfielder with some sort of European pedigree, or at mm-hmm. least try to. And that's worrying for me because I mentioned it earlier. Loftus-Cheek, Mason Mount, and Van Ginkle all deserve a legit shot at getting into this first team. Um, I just, I'm very split on it. I know that our football will be a little bit more attractive, but I also feel that it takes away from Chelsea's identity that we've had since Roman came in, that really strong defensive spine where we wear teams down and we could, and the ability to to win ugly games and kind of grind out ugly games. And sorry, really has it. Sorry's really only proven that he only knows how to win by playing attractive football. And that's kind of worrying for me. So again, I don't really know the jury's still out. Um, but definitely not the type of, of managerial signing that I would have preferred at this point in time. I mean, I think somebody, uh, along the lines of Jody Morris, um, Mm -hmm. who I've been praising for the last, ever since Conte out rumors have, have been coming around, but, or maybe even someone more established. I mean, I know, I know that, um, Maurizio, sorry, he, he brought a mid-level team to a top two team in it in Serie A, which is, you can't, you can't deny that, but I mean, he's not, his, his overall record is not, it's not too good you know no and 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 his european record isn't either Mm -hmm. and that's that's a worrying thing for me as well because this napoli team i mean they were they were incredible yeah i just incredible his career managerial statistics he has about a 47 percent win rate um but i mean that's that's obviously you know managing a lot of smaller clubs as well but you know in, in his his uh, three years at Napoli, he managed to uh, win 97 out of the 147 games matches they played. Um, so, 
he, he does he did he, a great job with this Napoli team. It just yeah, doesn't yeah, it yeah. just doesn't seem like a Chelsea signing that will go right because um I mean we we we've tried signing these kind of small unproven guys before um and it and it does not last that long um and but I mean really which manager does last long at Chelsea um but another thing to look at is what other managers are really on the market at this point I mean Tuchel was the big name that was floating around and PSG snapped them up and uh I wanted nothing to do uh, with oh uh oh yes uh yeah, and why, also why am I forgetting his name Luis, right now? I'm Luis and, kick myself. Luis, Luis Enrique was also a big Jardim. Uh, Jardim. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Luis Enrique also. Yeah, Leonardo Jardim. Um, I wanted I wanted but, absolutely nothing to do with Luis Enrique. I'm so glad that those rumors are gone. Mm-hmm. Unai Emery, I wanted nothing to do with either, just because I think him coming off a bad spell at a club that has money and has the resources to succeed, um, and, and he didn't play the, he didn't do well there. But going back to, to to Monaco's man Jardim, I mean, that that's a guy who's used to working on a budget, and who does um, turn to the youth in a lot of in a lot of cases, and does improve the youth in a lot of cases. I mean, look what he did with Mbappe. Obviously, he's a supernatural talent, but I mean, he had faith in him, and, and he played him week in and week out, and and he gave him confidence. Look what he did with Bakayoko. Yeah, but uh, Hardim, he I think today he he confirmed that he's going to be out Monaco next yeah. season. So yeah. I mean, we're not even going to be able to have the chance to speculate about him. Yeah, uh, but I mean, also I mean, going back a little bit, just last points about Sari. Um, I think a big issue was uh, like off 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 the field drama with with um, Antonio Conte, and Sari has not been a stranger to off the field drama as well he's had a, a couple of controversial um middle fingers yeah and some statements made uh, i mean allegations of um homophobia and racism uh, racist statements so um you know obviously i mean he i think he's 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 denied all of them so i mean you you, you do have to take it with a grain of salt obviously he's not going to admit to it but um it's it's something to keep an eye on, and I think that the moving on from Antonio Conte to a guy like him, um, it kind I, I might even I so might even lean yeah I might even lean towards thinking all right let's just run it back with Antonio Conte again, but I can't believe I'm saying that I feel like this is just a disaster kind of waiting to happen, but I am hoping to be wrong. Um, it's just well, it's just so it's so Chelsea fan like to be like oh on with the next guy on with the next guy we need a new manager and then well you know falling in love with the idea of having some guy and you know and not really working out so i'm trying to set myself up for to not be disappointed you know it's bad when our arsenal friends are even telling us i hope you guys get sorry (laughs) yeah that's 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 not a good sign Um, no no definitely not yeah another sign another not good sign uh that happened this week was Murata being caught with his agent uh, meeting with Juventus officials. So, I mean, this, maybe, I think it was Juventus, this director of football. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, so maybe, maybe not bad news. Yeah. Maybe it is good news. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I've heard, we heard rumors and I kind of just thought like, Oh, that's just, that's a joke. I don't know if that's going to happen, but, this, I just love how 
soccer news breaks out it's like a candid photo of the agent it's like some you know some spy was able to get some <laughs> recon mm-hmm. uh and some some photo taken of them but um it it was i think this is this is quite telling you can't deny the fact that this is happening and uh he's probably going to ask for a loan um to juventus i mean if they agree to personal terms i don't know if uh chelsea really has any other option than to decide on a loan but um it do you think this could be happening you think this could be happening is it is it listen listen. loan or transfer i don't know is it time to give up on him if I don't think it's time to give up on Morata, and I've said it before, I do think there's a player in there, and I just I think he's the type of player that needs an arm around him and say, hey, pick yourself back up, we'll get him again next game. And Antonio Conte is not that type of manager. I don't think Sari is that type of manager either, and I think Morata knows that. But at the same time, if a player does not want to be at Chelsea, he can fuck off for all I care. And I don't really know what to think of this. Maybe it's just by coincidence they were meeting. Oh, maybe yeah. it was staged. You know, maybe he. Who maybe, knows maybe what the reasoning pay- could be? Maybe they missed a payment to him a couple of years ago, and he's just rehashing some details. Football, football is crazy like that. So to speculate would be foolish, but it's pretty tough. Again, it's cra- if he, it's, it's, it's you know if if he wants out, fuck off. <laughs> Let him walk. Let him leave. No loan bullshit. I'm Just excited. fucking sell him. I, I would move be on. so excited to but, get rid of him. If we could get him, no, if we could, if I, we could I, not, I, Zach. I think there's. I think that uh, what's what's happening to you is um, little PTSD from letting go of so many great players. That's exactly what is happening. But that's exactly but, but what you, it is. But you can't you can't give into this that that fallacy because just because it's happened a couple times, that that means we're going to hold on to every young player and drag him out and hoping that he. He, you know, afraid to trade to give him to any other team. Listen, the, if a team like if a out. team like if a team like Roma is willing is is pursuing him, if they are pursuing a player like Morata, a team like uh, like Roma, like Juventus, excuse me, that means that there are people in the footballing world that think highly of him. Yeah. Right. I mean. It's not like it's not like it's a De Bruyne situation where you have teams like Wolfsburg sniffing them out. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is Juventus. This is a team that's been to Champions League finals multiple times. I mean, a European giant. I don't need to I don't need to blow steam up their ass because everybody knows how great they are. But why would we give up on a player after one year, a club record signing, after one season where he was plagued by injury, his best friend passed away, he had a kid. He moved into a new league. I mean, there's so many factors that went into this season. It's really foolish and irresponsible for anybody to just kind of throw in a towel and say, you know what? He's not good enough. I'll, I'll because, tell you why, Zach. I'll tell you why. Because we've got Mishi Batshuayi coming back next season, and he's going to be our savior. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. If Sari wants to play this possession football Morata's the ideal striker to do that because he's so good with his feet and he's so good with his movements. So uh, he, he's bringing in a guy in like flashes, but nothing consistent this season. Bringing in a guy like Michi, like like let's say Morata does get shipped off, and a player like Michi steps in, I think Michi won't will have the same a similar struggle to the to what he had with Conte as his coach. He's still going to be a lone target man, That's fair and. Enough. 
Michi's always better up front in a two, and we've been saying that forever. But here's the other thing. I've also been reading, and I don't know how true this is. I haven't seen any legitimate sources uh, uh, claim it yet, but um, a possible Iguain reunion. Mm. Okay, um, yeah. Not too sure how I feel about bringing in a 31-year-old. Um, don't even get me started on the Lewandowski rumors. I mean, I already voiced my opinion on our Twitter page, but I mean, it's it's just the thought. If Murata does want that switch, one, I think it's stupid, but two, if we're gonna do it, we better be damn sure we're getting something back. Oh yeah, we gotta get we gotta get paid. We we cannot lose on this on this huge transfer because I mean we, we are gonna we are gonna lose, but not that much. I don't I don't I don't think. I mean, honestly, I don't think uh, I don't think Murata's going anywhere. I just think that he he planned this meeting um, just to kind of. I mean, here's Keep his my options theory. open. Maybe here's my theory. Okay, we saw guys like Antonio Rudiger um, openly question the the tactics of Conte, right? Uh, we've seen players like Diego Costa fall out with him, um, who was our best player last season. Um, we see David Luiz uh, with a, in a training ground, I'm using my air quotes, bust up, as uh, British media likes to say, with Antonio Conte. All of a sudden, he gets frozen out of the squad. Conte is no stranger to conflict, especially with players, and what he says goes. He's definitely that alpha male mentality. And I think, you know, after what Azard said, um, with the club needing to show ambition, we heard Courtois say it. I think that the players, and it's weird because we've never really seen them come out and voice their opinions up until this season. But I think in a season where so many players are coming out and voicing their, you know, what they think is wrong and voicing their concerns, um, I just think this is another way of doing it. And I think that's what Maratha is doing here. I think he's meeting with a Juve official saying, hey, you know, if if Conte is there next season, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I think it was Pat Nevin that said it this week. I could be wrong, um, so don't quote me on this. But I think it was Pat Nevin that said, you know, why the hell would he leave a club like Real Madrid to go sit on the bench at Chelsea? You mm-hmm. know, and it and, and from Morata's point of view, he, that's not the reason why Chelsea bought him. But I could see why Morata would be a little bit disgruntled about that because hey. I was the number one all season long. You got rid of my backup to bring in my replacement. And that doesn't, you know, I mean, looking at it from his perspective, that's probably what he's thinking because he's young and naive. But um, I don't think he's going anywhere. That's just my theory, and I'm going to stick with it for now just because I won't sleep at night knowing that we gave up on another player that had a huge upside. I just don't think the board is stupid enough. To make a dumbass mistake like that, again. you know. Luckily, I it's a difficult decision. Luckily, I'm not going to be stuck with making that decision. But someone who may be responsible for making that decision. Ooh, those transitions, though. I know. I've been on one today. Michael Bollock. He Michael Bollock is a bit on the radar for Your the the director of coaching player ever. He Am I is, right? Yes, Michael Bollock is the reason why I'm a Chelsea fan. Um, there we actually. go. And, uh, you know, I, I owe it all to him. He is my all-time favorite player ever. Um, I I would be so excited to see someone who's actually a football-minded person 
um, on the board, uh, replacing that vacancy that Emanalo left. Um, obviously, Marina is not able to accomplish that that task. I think uh, in a very <gasps> really? good way. I, yeah, I know. This is this is a wow. bold take. I know, bold take. But um, I, I, I obviously Michael Bollock after he re- retired, he went uh, straight into broadcasting. So we have nothing to base like our our opinion on whether he can do a good job or not, other than the fact that um, he is an amazing man, um, a great football mind. Um, he, he, what he, what he does in the, in the broadcasting booth or what he's been doing has been really great. He's provided some great analysis. Um, but you know, I, I don't know how to feel about it. I can't, I have, I can't sound feel like, when I'm, sound <laughs> like such a fanboy. I, I love him so much. I just can't, I, I can't, <laughs> I, I can't have an opinion on it because one, I'm already biased towards it, but two, like, I know that any feeling I have towards him is, is just based off of of that infatuation and not based off of whether I, I know, I know he's going to do a good job or not. But what do you, what do you think about that? Hey, I, you don't have to convince me. We've been needing a director of football for a long time now. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And I do think that having somebody that understands the club and that has been at the club and understands the culture more importantly, um, as well as the footballing side of it, it's absolutely crucial in finding a director of football. And, mm-hmm. you know, I look at the other names, Belletti, um, that's another intriguing one just because of his familiarity with the club. Um, don't know too, too much about Luis Campos. Um, I do know Leo struggled this year, so that doesn't necessarily uh, perk my interest. But, um, you know, I'm all for it. Michael Ballack, why not? The one thing that's very confusing to me is – and it's concerning is why we haven't why is this the first real report of Chelsea actively pursuing a director of football i mean emanalo got sacked in november mm-hmm. why did why are we waiting so long to look into this and another thing is i know we talked about sorry a little bit earlier but i'm going to backtrack a bit because it does remind me of this but you know we still have no succession plan in place with Conte because we really don't know what's going to happen with Conte yet. And that's another concern. You know, we're about to head into the World Cup. We need to bring in a manager. We need to bring in a director of football. They need to get familiar with each other. They need to analyze a squad, assess our needs, and and dive into the transfer market. Because if we do wait till after the World Cup, we're going to be in big trouble because there's going to be a lot of teams who are going to be willing to pay a lot of money for some of these players. Interesting. So, uh, although we won't have too many transfer rumors to talk about during uh, the World Cup, we do have that stuff to look forward to. Um, we, we are running a little bit over on time, but we got a couple Twitter questions from our amazing fans. Um, I wanted to just, just kind of briefly go over them. Um, at LN Lenardson, um, Leonardson. Leonardson, he, uh, talked, he mentioned a Brazilian revolt possibly and uh, whether Conte is to blame uh, we did talk about it a little bit about um, possibly the 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 way that he handled the the Costa situation might have left a bad taste in the Brazilian players mouths um, what what do you think is Conte to blame for that or I think I think he hit the nail right on the head I think uh, Diego Costa was was a we talked about this before we hit the record button but Diego Costa was a huge huge character in the dressing room and on the pitch. 
And I think yeah, the well second, the, yeah, exactly. And I think the second that, uh, the second that Conte's relationship with him started to feel sour, um, the rest of the dressing room seemed to follow suit. Um, I do think that that was the first major uh, instance where we got an indication that maybe this isn't a match made in heaven. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I I, I do think uh, I do think Conte is to blame partly, um, but at the same time, I do think a lot of it has to do with the board of directors um, and the fact that you know this is what they're there for. They got to step in in these situations and 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 put the manager in check. And they haven't done that. And Conte's been running his mouth as a result. And we've seen the type of season we had um, when the when the board doesn't step in and say, hey, you can't talk like that. You know, you can't treat players like that. So, um, you know, maybe some people will disagree with me. Some people are in the camp that, you know, the manager should have the – the ultimate say in, in, in player relations and things like that. But um, the board doesn't want the manager to have that control. If they did, they would have gone out and purchased the right players that he needed. So, you know, I put this one on the board because, Hey, if you're not going to go out and spend the money on the type of players that we need, why are you going to let this manager run his mouth and kick out our best players out of our dressing room? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's the board. But Conte did have a big role to play. Um, long story short, I miss Diego Costa. Is that <laughs> as good do answer? I, as do I. Uh, yeah. We have one more question at uh, B Javier. He actually he asked a question last week as well. Um, super yep. fan, so he's officially a super fan as well. Um, what players could be needed for Sari to lead Chelsea to trophies while still playing beautifully? <clears throat> um, I think I, I I I talked about it a little bit. Um, because if, if we're going to be playing four back, uh, Victor Moses is not going to, is not the man for that job. Um, he would be, it, it would, it would be a disaster, honestly, having him slot in as a right back. Um, so obviously we would need a new right back and that, I think that would be priority number one. Would you, would you agree, Zach? Yeah, I do think, uh, I think we need a natural right back. Um, someone that's. defensively solid um maybe not a starting quality right back because i do think that dave is going to slide out on the right um, yeah yeah because he's basically he's basically undroppable so he's back to his natural position but we can't expect him to play every single match so um we do need a backup i don't think zapakos is good enough um Mm -hmm. victor moses is not good enough to play in a four i think he's I think you could get by with him in a five, as we've seen. But yeah, I mean that's that, that's just one position. Another one is a goal-scoring midfielder. Now, I don't know if that's going to come from our low knee, from our low knees. I don't know if it's going to be Loftus Cheek or Mason Mount. It could also be Ross Barkley, a healthy Ross Barkley as well. Maybe exactly. It, it could even be Ross Barkley. So I'm really interested to see um, what our new manager does with our midfield because. Now that Bakioko's coming along, we do seem a little bit more defensively solid, but we need balance. We need that attacking force that's going to carry the ball, that's going to drive through defenses and create gaps and separation, and also provide that ability to, to, to score on a regular basis. So I think that's something that we need to look out for. 
Um, another thing is a winger. I think that we need another creative player um, to play alongside Azard to just mm-hmm. kind of take the load off of him because I do think that if we could get another top quality talent or at least someone that you know that 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 could that could step in and take over matches um a game changer basically yeah i think like a guy like di maria would be so great to have on that team but i mean i do but at the same time we saw how he was in the premier league i i'm i'm honestly I hate to say it, but like I know Liverpool's been linked with Nabil Fakir, and I just think that he's like an ideal player for for Sorry Ball, you know, for playing oh, like yeah. that possession style. He could also play as a number ten. He could fit into the midfield. He could play as a false nine. But um, here's a weird shout. I say, why not Memphis Depay? I mean, we That's saw not what a happened. Weird shout. He had an amazing end of the season, man. He did, and wow. he flew under the radar for large portions of the season. Um, guys like Florian Tovan um, on Lyon had an awesome season. He, he um, had a very uh, Mohamed Salah esque kind of season uh, when he went. I mean, talking about when he played for Roma. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And, and uh, I think the, the the feeling is that he 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 might you know he was I was just you know disgruntled main United team uh, gets loaned out and yeah, then yeah. comes back and then. Whoever gets him is gonna have a star. I mean, but I mean, we'll see what happens. He finished. He finished the season with the with the with the um, hat trick, and I think he scored like ten goals in the last ten matches. Nine matches. Excuse me. I wouldn't be opposed to something like that. I also, you know, as much as I, I don't think this move has any possibility of happening. But a guy like Martial, maybe not Martial, but a player who's like him, who's yeah. yeah. A player who's like him, who has pace, who has the ability to drive at the fences, take the take players one on one, play crosses in, but also score worldies. I I think that's I think that's the type of player that we need to that we need to look for this summer. But I think first and foremost, I mean, we need to find another right back. Right. We need to figure out what we're going to do with Victor Moses and what we're going to do with uh with Zappa. But if we play four at the back, we are toast. Um, unless Aspie's playing as that right back. Which would be nice. All right, Zach. Yeah. Uh, I know this is the last episode that we do post match, so it's been a great season. But I, th- I think we're going to do a couple more episodes. Yeah, you know, uh, talking about you know the off season and you know maybe looking back on this season a little bit. We definitely, more in depth. we definitely won't be putting out content as as frequently, but there will be content nonetheless. Yeah, so. I'll be I'll be uh off to the World Cup in Russia later this summer. So yes. during that time I'll, you guys won't be hearing anything, but I'm sure you guys will and be. And as you guys saw a couple of weeks anyway. ago, I'm a mess. I'm a production mess when it when when I'm without Psalm. So <laughs> And that's funny because I just realized like five minutes ago that um I'm recording out of my internal mic, not the mic that I plugged in. So <laughs> if oh, uh, wow. if everyone if anyone is wondering why my vo- quality is not as good as normal that's why i'm sorry i just it's, realized that a second ago <laughs> it's all good Sam. it's it's honestly it's crazy to see how far we came considering that last august we were at your apartment talking about yeah hey, maybe we should come up with a podcast i can't believe we followed through and it worked man it's it's insane how much an idea that sounds stupid when you're intoxicated could come to fruition and 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 just create 
so many like good relationships with other Chelsea fans yeah. like us and also you know be a way to integrate other fans that just want more content and want to hear yeah. want to hear more so and we were so intoxicated I'm, when during we were very <laughs> intoxicated i remember that i remember that it was great but um anyways if you do want to find out when we're going to release content best advice follow our twitter at romans empire pod um you could also shoot us emails uh, RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. We're available on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. We're available on third-party apps. We're available on Android, tablet, whatever you have. Make sure you listen to us. Um, and until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>